We start this morning, I want you to think about a question, who is Jesus? Not just that question in a theoretical sense, but in a personal sense, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? We've said before through this series that Jesus is like a dividing point in all of human history and even in our response to who Jesus is. So I ask you, who, who to you is Jesus? So let me ask a couple more questions along those lines. Do you need a savior? And if so, what is it that you need to be saved from? Why do you need a savior? What kind of a savior do you need and what would that savior look like? Is he a financial savior? Is he a health savior? What kind of a savior do you need? See, some of the people were asking that question or they, in this context, we're gonna read people knew they needed a savior. They, they were looking for a Messiah. The Jews were waiting for a savior. They were waiting for a Messiah. So I want to ask you, in our day and age, n- not all of us think we need a savior, right? If you were to ask 100 people walking down the street, do you need a savior? You'd get some weird looks. What are you talking about? Saved from what, right? See, these are fundamental questions of the gospel, right? The gospel is the truth that our church unites around. The gospel is what gives us a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's what puts us in relationship with one another. The gospel is simply that truth that we, we believe that, that we are sinners separated from God, that, that because God is a righteous and holy God and he made the world perfectly, he gets to set the rules of how life works. But the truth is we don't want God to be in charge of our lives. We reject him and his rule, and the Bible calls that sin. And so because of our sin, we're separated from God. That fellowship and relationship is broken, and it's only, we can't work our way to God. We can't do enough good things to please him and put that relationship together. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that that Jesus came to this earth as fully God and fully man and died on the earth, rose again. That as he died on the cross, he took the punishment for our sins so that any who would turn in faith and place their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ had done on the cross would find life and forgiveness for their sins. That's the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is now alive today, that we can find life by turning from our sins, repenting of our sins, and placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the truth of the gospel. That's what unites us together. Our church exists to, to protect that truth through the right preaching and teaching of the word and to proclaim that truth through evangelism. The gospel is so important that, that we seek to devote our lives to the furtherance of it. What is it that would cause a, a, a couple to spend 30 years of their life and raise their children in Papua New Guinea. It's the truth of the gospel, right? It's a truth so precious that it needs to be spread. Who who is Jesus? Do you need a savior? What kind of a savior do you need? Well, that truth is so profound that that not just the Tobiases, but many others would say, I'm going to devote my life to pushing this message forward because people need to understand who Jesus is. So who do you say Jesus is? And do you realize that you need a Savior? 
in our passage today, remember where we are. We're going to start in verse 20, and we just finished the triumphal entry. There's a whole crowd in Jerusalem. Jesus has come to Jerusalem, and there's a lot of people excited because they think this is the Savior, right? They, they think this is the Messiah. He's the Christ. Some of them are putting it together in terms of what they wanted saving from. Not all of them had the right and accurate picture of that. But here's, here's what happens. And we need to go through this passage quickly because I actually want to save some time at the end to hear from some who are ready to commit to joining this church and tell us what they believe about Jesus in the sense of sharing their testimony of salvation, how they came to faith in Christ. So I want to work through this passage and uh, uh, all of the questions that it raises, we won't have time to, to work all the way through. But let's start in verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast, so the, those who came to Jerusalem for the Passover, which the triumphal entry that we just walked through last week was the first day of that week. So there were Greeks at this feast, it says, not necessarily from the country of Greece, but they were Gentiles, they were non-Jews, but they were God-fearers because they came to worship, they worshiped the God of Israel, and they wanted to be here for Passover. So these came to Philip which was from Bethsaida and Galilee, and they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, they didn't just want to see him with their eyes. They wanted the chance to interview Jesus. Hey, we want to meet with Jesus. We want to talk to him. And so they asked some of his disciples, and Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered and said, Listen to Jesus' response. We don't know if their meeting ever happens. We don't know what they talked about. If they did, we're not even sure if Jesus granted the meeting. And here's, here's what Jesus says. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, it's very, very significant that Greeks were at this feast. When you think about it, that Gentiles would have come to this Jewish festival. They came to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, and they came to worship at a Jewish festival. So it's very significant that Gentiles are there. Then there's another very significant thing that John says, the hour has come. We're going to talk about that. If, you, if we had been going all the way through the book of John, you would see, whoa, your eyes would pop open. And now Jesus just said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Now, in Jesus' response to their quest for a meeting, you see both at the beginning in verse 23 and in the ending in verse 27, 28, you see this emphasis on the hour. The hour has come for the Son to be glorified, for the Father to glorify His name. And we'll talk a little bit about what's in the middle, but it's very significant now that Jesus recognized that the hour has come. Throughout John's Gospel, the hour was this designation of time referring to Christ's crucifixion death, burial, and resurrection. And it was always future. It was, in fact, Jesus, uh, Jesus worked to... The right, what's the right word? 
Jesus worked to deflect attention. Jesus worked to push certain people away in the sense, remember in John chapter 2 when Jesus turned the, the water into wine at the wedding? Jesus' mom comes and says, can you help? They're out of wine. And Jesus says, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His point was, don't push me into the spotlight. The, I, you know, I, I don't, it's not time yet. My death hasn't come. If too many people know, and he knew the popularity and excitement, so John chapter 2 it comes up in John chapter 4, chapter 7, chapter 8. The hour's not yet. No, the hour's not yet come. Now, the Gentiles who are at this feast, non-Jews, are seeking Jesus, and that triggers Jesus' announcement, the hour has come. At this point, he's days away from his death, burial, and resurrection. This is the purpose for which he came into the world. This is how the Father would be glorified, that both Jew and Gentile would have a salvation made available to them through the death of Jesus Christ. This is the hour and the way that God would be glorified. So when Jesus, that's why in the close he says, what, what am I supposed to pray, that God would save me from this hour? He knew this was why he would come. You see, the cross and Jesus' death was not evidence that Jesus failed in his mission. The cross and Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection was the mission for which Jesus came. It was the way the Father would be glorified. Andreas Kossenberger says it like this, According to John, Jesus is not glorified despite the cross, but through and in the cross. Why? Because it is at the cross that Jesus is revealed as the fully obedient, dependent Son of the Father who faithfully accomplished his mission. And this is what Jesus refers to in the middle when he says, Unless, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus' sacrificial death, his willingness to give of himself is what bore the fruit of salvation to the world so that even these Gentiles who come and are seeking him would have salvation made available. And then it has implications for us even as Jesus' followers as you understand what it truly means to, 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 love, to love God and his purposes for our life more than we love our own lives. And so Jesus recognizes that his hour has come and asks that the Father glorify his name. And then there's a voice from heaven which says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it. And not everybody listening understood the implication or even understood who it was that was speaking, but God speaks to give his affirmation of what is taking place. And look what Jesus says in verse 30. Jesus answered, this voice has not come for your sake. Excuse me, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to himself and he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die now here's what's taking place Jesus is helping them see it's not just the hour for his glorification it is also the hour of judgment and through Jesus death on the cross Satan and sin and evil would be dealt the defeating crushing blow and God would conquer sin and death, and he would make a way of salvation available to all when he was lifted up. And he helps them to see, okay, now he's going to die. He's going to be lifted up from the earth, and then this causes a reaction from the people. Wait a minute. They, they want to know what he means by being lifted up. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Now, now, they were waiting for a Savior. They knew they needed a Savior. They were wanted a Messiah. They wanted the Christ to come. 
But what do you mean the Messiah has to be lifted up, that the Son of Man is going to die? Hold on. We know the Christ remains forever. They were, they were going back to some Old Testament promises of, of God's kingdom being established forever and this Messiah having the rule and the reign forever and they hadn't yet put together that Jesus had to die, that this was how his purposes and plans would be accomplished. And so when they say, who is this Son of Man? They're not asking for identification. They're not saying, where, where is the Son of Man? They're saying, what kind of a Son of Man are you talking about? What kind of a savior is this that the savior would come and die? And Jesus answers their, he doesn't directly answer their question. He just tells them, you need to believe. This is God's plan. This is what I have revealed to you. And he says, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. And Jesus wants the crowd to recognize and see, he's here, he is the light who has come to bring salvation and to speak into the darkness, but he won't be with them forever. They need to believe. They need to trust in who Jesus Christ is. They need to realize that salvation is coming through this plan and that yes, the Messiah would die. They hadn't yet grasped that that was the kind of savior they need. You see, they wanted a political savior, but Jesus knew they needed saved from their sins, from the wrath of God as punishment and separation from their sins. And that's true for you and I, that we need a savior we need someone not just to make our life more comfortable, not just to relieve us of our fears and anxieties or our health problems. We need a savior to restore our relationship with God, that sin has separated us from God, and we need the death of Jesus Christ and his blood as covering for our sins so that when we turn from our sins and place our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ does, we can have salvation and eternal life. We're going to have some in just a moment come and share how they came to that understanding that Jesus was who he said he was. What, what circumstances and events did God use to make the gospel known to them? Before I ask them to come, there's one more thing that I want you to see in the text. If you come back to verse 19 that we looked at last week. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So this is after the triumphal entry. And the Pharisees in their plotting and planning to try to get rid of Jesus, they, in just kind of exasperation, they say, look, the whole world has gone after him. Now they use the word world, cosmos, and, and, and what they're saying is everybody's gone after him, which is a dramatic overstatement. But you see what's taking place. Here's Jesus in Jerusalem at a Jewish festival, and it just seems like everybody's gone after him. Well, throughout John's gospel, cosmos, or the world, speaks of people of all nations, Jew and Gentile and everyone that's in rebellion against God and needs salvation. John 3.16, probably one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, for God so loved the world, the cosmos, that he gave his only son. So here, John is using the words of the Pharisees, and he says, look the Pharisees throw their hands up and say the whole world has come on after him and then look at verse 20 and it says John in a twist of irony says now among those who went up to the festival were some some Gentiles speaking of the world the whole world that's gone after Jesus here come some Gentiles. And Jesus realizes that that triggers the hour. Now the hour has come. Jesus came to bring salvation to all. Jesus came to bring salvation for any that would turn and trust in him. 
so that any from the world who would go after him would find life and forgiveness and eternal life through what Jesus has done. What a joy. That's why you and I are here today. We're here because of the truth of the gospel that puts us in right relationship with God and then has these visible expressions whereby we come together and we gather and we, we commit to joining together to one another and we say, we, we want to live the Christian life together because this is who we believe Jesus is. And so there are some who are here this morning that are ready to share their testimony of salvation and desire. We thank you all for sharing your testimonies and just encouragement to hear how God has worked in your hearts and lives. Next week we have several more that we would like to share, have them share their testimonies. And it's just an encouragement that if we were to stop and think, who, who is Jesus? What kind of a savior is he? How did Jesus make himself known to you? For those of you that are believers, what are the circumstances and events of how God worked to bring you to himself? Have you come to Jesus? You see, on a day nearly 2,000 years ago, there were some Greeks, some Gentiles that wanted to see Jesus. And he knew that was the purpose for which he came, was to bring salvation, not just to them, but to us, to the whole world. Have you come to Jesus in faith, realizing your sin and need of a Savior? We urge you to trust in Christ for salvation. That's the truth of the gospel and why we exist as a people, as, as, a, as a body together, committing around that truth, and we rejoice in how God has worked. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will close with a song. Father, we thank you for your love for us, the truth of who you are. We thank you for the way that you work in our lives, for the way that you have worked in the lives of the Gravers and the Stiers and the Bruins and the Parkers. Lord, the way that you're at work in the lives of each of those here. And we pray if there's some who have not yet trusted in Christ for salvation, that they would see their sin and need of a Savior and what Christ has done for them and turn in faith, trusting in Christ. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.